Welcome back to another episode of Auntie's Roommate Podcast. I am your beautiful host, Jolie Milan, and tonight we're going to have a guest, a licensed professional counselor, and tonight we're going to be talking about existing in the LGBTQ community from both a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint. So y'all go get your advice, come back, and tune in. Introduce yourself and what do you do? Hi, my name is Santrice Russell, and I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Georgia and in the state of Texas. I'm also a podcast host, as well as an author, new, very new author of um, a book for self-awareness and helping people work on their wellness. So um, just that's me in a nutshell. So how's your night been going? So far, so good. Been catching up on some shows and trying to get a little bit, bit of relaxation in. Had an off day today, so that was cool. I've, I've, I felt that relaxation. Felt that. <laughs> I felt that. Like I deep in it. there. I feel right. So, yeah. what what shows are you watching right now? Um, right now I am binge watching This Is Us. So I am going through okay. all the emotions of that. And um, lately been just got caught up on RuPaul Track Race is season sixteen, and I think. Right now, those are the main two. I just caught up on Abbott Elementary as well. So I want to start that show. I want to start that. (laughs) I've been hearing so much about it. Like it's so funny, and I've been. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to see clips a lot now, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's my sign. I need to start. Definitely check it out. It's really good. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely gonna check it out. I'm. I'm the kind of girl. I kind of like stick to what I like and. Mm-hmm. I don't really try too many new things unless it's like um I love romance. So if it's romance or like a rom com, then I'll I'll be like okay. quicker to try it. But yeah, I'm I'm one of those kind of girlies. Like I love okay. romance. Yeah, so. see, they'd be making me cry and stuff because I cry really easily. So oh, me too. But sometimes I I just I don't know. I love it though. Like I love yeah. watching people's love stories. Mm. It just it melts my heart. I just love it. I don't know. I love seeing people in love. I can definitely yeah. relate to that because yeah. I am a hopeless romantic. So, oh my goodness, <laughs> need to girl stop it. What's your sign? Sagittarius. Yours? I'm Aquarius. Aquarius. Okay. Oh, oh my god, hopeless romantic. And sometimes it's so annoying, but mm-hmm. it's annoying sometimes because it's like, girl. Okay. Calm down. Are you? A- <laughs> Are you a serial monogamous too? I am, but I just learned Mm -hmm. something the other day. I've been told that because I'm a flirt and because I do flirt, even though Mm -hmm. it's been nothing more than that. Okay. It's, you know, I'm not monogamous. So I just found out a couple of days ago that I'm not monogamous. Because you flirt? (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, well, not so much only because I flirt, but because the way the dynamic of I wanted to have a girlfriend okay. outside of her I can't yeah. even though I haven't acted on it I'm still considered I don't know I've never heard that I've never heard that take before but yeah yeah that's the yeah, interesting take out. yeah it is because you, you kind of get to define who you are and what your status is like I don't know yeah and I mean honestly I do honestly I do feel like I'm monogamous because okay you know, I haven't. It's just her. Mm. Granted, like I said, I do flirt a lot. I'm a huge flirt and I flirt with you all day. But the minute you try to link, I'm like, ghost mm. me. I'm gone. Yeah. Because now you done went too far. Gotcha. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, you sound like me in a past life. <laughs> Not the Ooh, current life, trouble. but the past just life. Trouble, just trouble, yeah. just trouble. Dating outside of her, yes. Now mm -hmm. bringing someone into the marriage, I don't mm -hmm. know about that part. That's the part that it's like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot of work, and I don't know if I, I don't want to share my wife. I, I mm -mm. yeah. I, so I mean, I think I sound selfish. I really do, but it's like, gotcha. I, Is I'm it open on both ends? No, okay. no. She <laughs> makes I'm, that I'm, very clear. Okay, gotcha. She makes that very clear. Like she's like, I do not. Mm. I'm like, okay, well. I like <laughs> well, that. Then. I like okay. that because I rather you not. So mm -hmm. it works for me. So it works for me. It's like, you know, she's had her time. I was like a, like I knew, but mm. I was still like a late bloomer. So how late? Girl, very late. I didn't have my first girlfriend until college. Now I've, okay. that was my first relationship, but I've, I've okay. done things. I've had fun, you know, before that. But as okay. far as being in a relate, like my first real relationship with a woman in college. And that was that, that long bad, ago. though. It wasn't that oh, long ago. So I that's mean, the thing. That's not late. No, like to when you say late, I'm thinking like, oh, you know, like I had like I was 30 something or whatever. Like, because I feel oh, yeah, that's very late. Literally come out like 30, 40 sometimes, sometimes 50. So I wonder how do they do that? Like, you know, how how do they get to a place where they're able to just be so comfortable? that they mm. stay in the closet all those years. I don't know. I just, I don't think I would be able to do that. I mean, it's no judgment. Everybody has their own story, you know, right. but I just don't think that I would be able to carry that mm. around like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, but. it just depends on where people are from though. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm from Georgia. So like here it's, it's different. Cause you have like, now people are a lot more accepting and really just in Atlanta, like outside of Atlanta is different because people are just like, it's the Bible belt. And so people are always kind of feeling like, Oh, I'm going to be judged. What is my pastor going to say? It's just, you know, the stigma. Yeah. of it. Yeah. So. What was your experience like growing up lesbian in the South? Gotcha. Well, I didn't come out until I was like your age ish somewhere in that, in your age um, growing up, it was kind of like, I mean, I saw girls that I was attracted to, but I just thought that yeah, I wanted to be their friend. And then by the time I like got to college is when I really had my first experience with the female. And that is kind of, it was like, I came out, I fell in love with this person, just wanted to wear all the rainbows, do all the stuff and like really <laughs> affirm my identity. And I was dating someone and they didn't want people to know that they were in a relationship with a woman. And so it was tricky, but it was like, I didn't want to kind of live two lives. And so mm -hmm. I ended up kind of coming out to our friend group and it caused like a whole bunch of drama. And then I had to go back home to a very small town in Georgia and tell my grandmother and my aunt and both of them were very much holy rollers, Bible belt people. And so it was just really, really um, difficult trying to navigate that. And then also like the drama of the relationship. It was just like, a very traumatic time in my life. And so, um, yeah. I feel like a lot of us, like our first experience, our first woman and woman relationship is like mm -hmm. real crazy. The story is crazy. I don't know yeah. why it's like the stories are always like, damn, 
we went through that. Mm. Like, wow. Okay. But, um, so with you telling your family, Mm -hmm. Did you go through any exclusion from any of them or like, was it more so of, I hear you and I don't really agree with that lifestyle, but I'm going to try to, you know, maybe come around. Like, how was that? It was mostly kind of like, I'm going to pray away the gay. Like they weren't like, oh, I'm banishing you from, you know, life or whatever. Um, I ended up moving out um, a bit after that because I was in college or whatever. And like I came home and I came out over the summer and I just wasn't comfortable being there because it was like this big thing. So I ended up going to live with one of my friends because her mom was very inclusive. And so I ended up staying there a bit over the summer. And when I came back um, home, it was just kind of like we didn't talk about it. So Mm. it just kind of we're not going to address it. We're not going to deal with it. And I remember going to church with my grandmother one Sunday when I was back home and her just kind of coming up, trying to lay hands on me and just really praying and, and all of that. And I was just like, yeah, I don't think that's how that worked, but okay. It, it definitely don't work like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So how did you feel like going through that? Like, did you, did you feel like, and I know um, it was a little bit different then than it is now like Mm -hmm. our generation we're more um we're quicker to go no contact right and I know then it was different so how did you feel and how did you overcome that um I think for me obviously it it was a hurtful time in my life because it was kind of like I'm still trying to figure myself out and I don't have the support of the people that are here and are supposed to love me Um, And so I think I just kind of isolated myself from them. I just focused Mm -hmm. on going to work and just going back to school. Like I couldn't wait to get back to summer school that summer so that I could just kind of be back on campus and be away from the situation. Um, And with being away from the situation, again, it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And later on, like in my college, like I had a lot of like flack from other people on campus that were a part of this organization that I was a member of who were also trying to like pray me out of, uh, you know, being a lesbian. So it was just like this whole thing. And um, it worked temporarily. I did have a period where I was like, you know what? I tried to deny that part of myself and I really tried to like live like as a straight person, but I really just didn't date anybody for a long Mm -hmm. period of time. And um, it just, it made me very depressed. It really mm-hmm. made me sad to the point where, you know, I'm talking like suicidal thoughts, all kinds of stuff, like even wow. going through that spiritual piece of trying to connect. And, you know, it just, it just was a really, really tough time. Yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine. I feel like, but for one, I'm glad that you were able to overcome that because a lot of people aren't that strong. A lot mm-hmm. of people aren't, don't have, you know, the, the willpower to say, I understand that you feel that way and mm-hmm. I could acknowledge how it's making me feel, but I'm going to keep living my life. And I'm not, you know, I'm not finna, not about to let you take me to a place that well, it's okay if I visit that place, but I'm not going to stay there. Mm-hmm. You right. know, so I'm glad, that you know, part. I'm glad a lot of people aren't aren't able to 
to come out of that, you know, when their family don't accept them and, you know, they, they go through all these, um, great measures to pray to get away, you know? So (laughs) it's really, you know, it's, it's refreshing to hear that you came over that. Um, so with you, um, having experience that you had in school with your family, with coming out, was that the driving force that made you choose the career that you did? No, <laughs> not at all. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, I chose the career that I'm in because I grew up um, in a situation where I was raised by my grandmother and my aunt. And my mom was in prison when I was a kid. And my dad had a really bad um, drug problem, kind of led me in that situation. And being uh-huh. raised by my grandparents, my grandmother and my aunt really kind of pushed me to want to move into the field. So I was already on that path before I even discovered that I was gay. Okay. Okay. All right. I love that. With working in that field, what is the most common issue that you come across amongst the LGBTQ community as far as um, with your clients? Like, and I know you can't tell exactly what, but like on kind of like on a broader scale. I I think sometimes it depends on the age group. Um, But what I see primarily is like people who are dealing with like anxiety, Like to me, that seems to be at the top of the list. Like there is the depression piece in it, but a lot of it is like kind of social anxiety around acceptance, like you said, and Mm -hmm. really not really knowing their place and being kind of concerned about how they'll be treated in the workplace, as well as like family issues. A lot of people who, you know, even in your kind of age group, a lot of people's parents still are not okay or as accepting as, you know, you would think they would be in 2024. Right. That's crazy to me. Hmm? It's, it's, it's crazy to me very too. much crazy, yeah. honestly, because it's like we 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 have so, so many other things in this world going on right now. Yeah. That we can be focusing on. And even, you know, and I must speak for us, you know, even mm-hmm. as a community, we right. have way bigger fish to fry than yeah. to worry about that kind of stuff. And it's just... I don't know. It just it it breaks my heart that there's people who can't live their truth, you know, people yeah. who can't come out. They really have nobody to talk to, like not just, oh, I can't come out to my mom or, or my dad. Like I can't tell anybody because of right. my household environment that I'm in. It's it's a really sad. It's a sad situation for anybody to be in. Yeah, honestly. As a licensed professional counselor, you wanted to help normalize the experiences of LGBTQ plus members. Right. What is your your route? Like, what is your game plan with doing that? A lot of it is just about educating other people um, about mm-hmm. our experiences and like really working with clients to teach them to live in their truth. Because so many clients, they come and even though it says on my website, like LGBTQ issues and specializing in their stuff, even on there that, you know, it doesn't blatantly say, hey, I'm a lesbian, but it says very much that I'm a part of the community. And they still come and are timid about expressing their sexuality. So a lot of that is like creating and helping empower them to be okay with who they are and know that it's okay. This is a safe space for you to start to be more of who you are. And then uh, helping walk them through that process because a lot of the times the barriers are still really at home. It's that it's Mm -hmm. with family 
and that fearfulness of being able to, you know, you talked about going no contact. Um, that's something that, yes, your generation is doing more often, but I still see, you know, a lot of people who aren't okay with that. They're not okay with setting mm -hmm. that boundary for themselves mm -hmm. because they feel like, oh, this is my parent. I got to stick with it. So it's just kind of teaching them to one, love themselves and accept their truth, but really teaching them to not allow people to treat them like they're second class citizens just because they have a different sexuality or gender identity. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I agree with everything that you just said. And the the barriers really are at home. And with that being said, do you ever have any clients who um, parents are in, inclined to come with them, whether it be that they're just interested in coming or the child had asked them to come? I haven't. I, the only person I've actually had do that with like not an LGBT client, um, mm. actually. The only time I have that happen is if it is a um, an adolescent um, mm -hmm. that's coming. And usually the parents, for the most part, have been supportive and willing, you know, to just kind of sit in and be a part of it and learning how to navigate parenting a child that's in the community. But for the most part, like adults, I've not had like a lot of adult people have their parents come in. I was just wondering, like, what was the percentage of that? Because then that will kind of tell me, like, what is the percentage of parents who come around to trying to understand or wanting to, you know, still be a part of a child's life and accept all of them as they are. So that's why I was asking you, yeah. do they come with them to therapy? No, I got you. Yeah. It's, it's not a lot that I've seen that have wanted to be participants in the process. And honestly, like a lot of the people that I see that have the most issues are like in their 30s. Like it's not the 20 year old people that are having a lot of the problems that I'm seeing. And even some of the teenagers that I see, you know, their parents seem to be a lot more inclusive. It's people like in the millennial kind of range that are having the most problems with their parents really, you know, changing their mindset and accepting their, their kids for who they are. And that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think it's because they're kind of like stuck in their ways and like they, they think what they think and that's what it is? Yeah, absolutely. That's just, yeah. That's rough. Yeah, that's it really is. Tough. And I, I, I'm actually, well, I don't, I don't really know if I'm truly surprised by that though. Yeah. Like, I would love to see a time where it is more accepting and, yeah. you know, parents are more easier to come around because it's love is really yeah. just love like the quote is love is love like that that is like the realest thing when it comes to this conversation like it's really just love right yeah that is it yeah like I don't know why you have the the the, the mindset that you have around this but it yeah I yeah, love I mean, my partner just like you love my dad it's the same thing yeah I mean, a lot of it is ignorance. Like part of my story is that my mom is a minister and um, Bible built, obviously. So I had I went no contact with her like a year and a half ago because my wife is someone with someone that's very um, she's someone that's very family oriented and she wanted a relationship, just normal relationship. And my mom right. was not willing to. Um, be open to that and really kind of shut it down, but was kind of reaching out to me when she needed stuff. And so, mm -hmm. you know, one day she just said the wrong thing on the, the wrong day. And I just, you know, cut off all contact. 
because mm. I was like, if you're not going to respect the person that I love, the person that I chose to, you know, commit my life to being with, then you don't get to be in my life. Absolutely. And I love that for you. I love yeah. that for you. I mean, I don't love the situation, but I love <laughs> your response. I love it for you because yeah. um, it is hard, you know, like you were saying, it is hard for a lot of people to do that. So for one, when you went no contact, was it like a, um, you just, it just shut off. You never heard from me again. Or was it like you, Hey, I feel this way in the third and I'm gone. Yeah, no, it, it kind of, it happened in an instant. Cause I'm a Sagittarius high headed, very impulsive. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, it just kind of, I heard from her the previous month and had asked her to kind of reach out and connect with my wife and then, um, didn't hear from her until she needed me to watch her, um, dog, um, while her and my stepdad went on a trip together. And then I expressed, Hey, you know, I'm hearing from you when you need something, but I asked you to try to cultivate a relationship with my wife last year and you weren't um, last month and you weren't willing to do that. I was like, I'm not trying to be a bitch. And she wrote me a very long paragraph back about saying that I was being a bitch and all this. And she just kind of went off. And for me, that was it. I didn't respond. I just blocked on all social media platforms, phone number, everything. I just blocked it all in that moment. And that was just it for me because I've said, you know, this is a part of, she's a part of my life. It's not, we're we're a package deal at this point. And so either you're in both of our lives or you're not in either of our lives. And so that's just, you know, how it went. But it was, I think that just the, the response that she gave me in the fact that I, I processed this with my therapist that Mm -hmm. same day, I talked to my therapist and I crafted that message very carefully and when she responded the way she did, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's really necessary to do that because you got to protect your peace. Absolutely. And you have to protect those that you love. That and, and that's just period. It really ain't even no, <laughs> nothing else to say after that. Yeah, like, that is definitely. Yeah. That's just, that's just what it is. I'm glad that you were able to do that and still be in a, a good space with yourself you know it's a tough thing to do it's it's never easy it's never easy to do it and not do it you know yeah so it's not (laughs) yeah tough what would you say is your approach to therapy yeah so my background is like mostly like reality therapy so it's based in cognitive behavioral therapy um but it's really just about connecting with the client like i'm not one of those pretentious super clinical people that's having a robotic conversation it's just us having a conversation me getting to know the person and trying to understand how they see their problems and then helping them develop a plan so it's just i'm very laid back as a therapist and just having conversations and making it so that it's not so damn uncomfortable for people to talk and just be themselves. Do you do anything different or take any sort of different approach when you do have LGBTQ clients? Is there different techniques or something that, or like homework that you have them do versus yeah. other clients? I mean, the homework would be different for someone who is going through the process of trying to uh, exploring their um, gender identity because it's 
a little bit more tailored. But as far as like people who are just, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, like if they're not a part of the trans community or non-binary community, then it looks a little bit, it, it looks just like regular therapy. The one thing that I do is I always like to make sure that I use inclusive language to make sure that they understand. Like I don't say husband or wife. I always say spouse. I don't assume gender um, of mm -hmm. their particular spouse, obviously. And then I always like to throw in, you know, our community. And I don't, you know, I'm very subtle with how I say it because, I, you know, it's not right. my experience, right. but I'm letting you know, like, I yeah. do get it. I may not fully get it. Um, and sometimes I will say that, like, you know, if I'm talking to a gay male, you know, like, I know how things are within our community, but I know your community is a little bit different. So just letting them know you can let your hair down. You can relax a little bit. I, you are a month's family mm -hmm. and it is okay. Okay. Working with non-binary um, clients, how does it look helping them to understand how to identify themselves? A lot of it is truly like homework based. Um, I do have a book that I use around exploring gender identity. Don't ask me the name of it because it's not right in front of me right now. But I do um, typically have them get a workbook that involves exploring what feels um, comfortable for them. We'll explore different pronoun usage if they are exploring like whether or not they want to um, try out a different name and, you know, just going through that whole process. But a lot of it is just exploring whether or not they feel actually comfortable in their body, whether or not they're having any body dysmorphia that's um, causing them to feel any type of way. So it's just more so exploring those deeper things that aren't necessarily something I would, you know, do with someone that's a part of the other part of our community. Right. And, and with them, how, like, typically how long or how soon do you see like a turnaround with them? I think it just, it just depends. Like I've worked with one client, um, for like a year and we went back and forth with pronouns and, and this mm. and that. And I think they still defaulted back to their um, pronouns related to their gender assigned at birth. So I think it just depends on their comfort. It depends on the community around them. So I've mm -hmm. seen people like try it out and then still just not feel comfortable correcting people or maybe just not feel comfortable. Um, like maybe they feel comfortable dressing and expressing their gender expression, but then they're not comfortable correcting people. So it's just like you see that regression in that that process over the course of time. Mm. Um, and especially if someone is starting like um, HRT, then that you, you kind of see the the ups and downs of that as well in terms of like how the hormones impact them. So what is oh, OK? So Hormone HRT. Okay. So with that, what is the youngest you've had someone come in for for that type of therapy for the for HRT? Yeah, yeah, no, not I haven't had any kids come in. Most of the, the people that I've seen are like in their 20s if they are starting that process. Um mm -hmm. in Georgia especially like though at this point it's not even available to um people of a certain age right like georgia and texas both have kind of outlawed law those so th those sort of so things. like 18 and older yes right right yes. seeing younger kids but they weren't on the on the med like that they right were just exploring your gender with me right okay because i was wondering what be like the general age that people go through that process like do is it more in the 20s or like when they're in their 30s and older um, in terms of like what I see a lot of times like they can't start before they're 18 uh, but most of the people that I've seen are usually like mid-20s when they start 
Um, some I've seen some people start in their 30s or whatever, but a lot of times it's mid-20s and you have some people who just kind of know and they're waiting. Now, kids under 18 can have like certain blockers at a certain mm-hmm. age, but it depends on the state that they're in. Like mm-hmm. the, some so states like, are more progressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Some of them I, can get it, but it depends on what state they're in. Hmm, that's interesting. That is that's very interesting. No, I never knew that. Yeah. So how do you feel about the blockers? But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's really not, or do you feel like it's really not up to you to feel how you feel? Because yeah, it's not your experience. I think that is up to the parents, honestly, um, in terms of like supporting their their child. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I think it would look different if it were my child, like having to make that sort of decision. But I think like, you know, um, I, can't, I think it's Zaya, I, I, Dwayne Wade's uh, yes. daughter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, like a lot of people are always talking about that, you know, situation and oh, they're doing this and they're like, I don't know if she is on blockers or anything like that, but you know, the blockers, all it does is it stops that progression so that if she does want to go through with the process, like she cannot transition before she's 18. She can't have any altering right. body altering surgeries, but a lot of people are very ignorant and, and they say stuff like that. I was just about to say that. I'm not even understanding why that's even like why that has to be said because that right. like stop playing. Yeah. Like let's ignorant. not be let's be for real. Be fucking right. for real. So with the blockers, if they're young, they're certain age, they're, mm-hmm. they're too young to get on the hormone um, mm-hmm. and they do the blockers and then they do become of age, but then they decide, I don't want to mm-hmm. go through with this. Is there like a way to reverse that or it's just Girl, like, you're you as good as mine. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. I'm so not I'm an MD. Gonna, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go down this rabbit hole. I really yeah. am. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole because I've I've never heard of blockers, and I'm I'm really curious to know a whole lot more about it because that's interesting. That's really interesting. So I'm I'm yeah I'm gonna go down that whole rabbit hole because <laughs> okay. I just have so many questions behind that, and I know you're gonna be like, girl. Yeah, that girl that is look. That's, <laughs> that, that's I, outside I, of my I told you what I do. I told you what I do. That ain't it. You said you mentioned you have a wife. Mm-hmm. Were you guys together like a long time before marriage was um, legalized, or was no. it after? It was after. After okay. Yeah. So when it was legalized, where were you at that point in your life, and like how did you feel getting that news? So June twenty fifteen, I was in them streets, so I was not. <laughs> anything about anybody the girl i was dating at the time lived in a whole different state dating um and she texted me and told me about it and everybody was excited and i was not um because i didn't care because i didn't believe in marriage and was not planning on getting married um so it was kind of like not anything i was like super super happy about i just didn't want to deal with all the religious people preaching about it at church like that was my main thing or whatever but i was happy other people who fought for our rights to be able to get married. I was definitely happy for them, but child, I was I was in the streets then. I was not thinking about none of that. <laughs> I was sort of in the streets. I was like halfway, okay. halfway out in the streets. Halfway. But I don't know. Um, I think I honestly think I was I was happy. I was happy, even though I wasn't mm. um, you know, I wasn't in no serious mm. and that just so I wasn't 
I don't know if I was. So at that time, that year, I was mm-hmm. in a relationship. But I don't know if that day, that month, I don't know if I was in a relationship. Okay. That day I found out. I don't know what we was doing. We might have been doing the back and forth thing. You know how that go. But we, we were doing okay. something, something like that. So even though I wasn't, you know, in my mind, I wasn't like, oh, I'm happy because, you know, I want to marry her. You know, it wasn't like that. But it was just like, because what the fuck? What you mean? I can't. What you mean? Right. This sex can't get married. Yeah. So it was more so like that. Like, because stop yeah. playing. No, I was I was definitely happy for the people that believed in marriage. I mm-hmm. didn't believe in marriage, and that's for anybody or whatever. I do now, obviously, but back yeah. then that was just not my thing. I was talking to like multiple people and just really like living life. So I would mm-hmm. at the moment I didn't care, but uh, you know, grateful now. I, <laughs> I, I was benefit. Yeah, girl, look, hello, <laughs> come on now, now you're talking tax purposes. Yes, okay, mm-hmm. now you're talking. Now you're talking. But yeah, no, I didn't want to get married either at one point for a long time, actually, in my life. Until I met my wife. Gotcha. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I wanna get married. I wanna have kids. I before her, I didn't want okay. who <laughs> <laughs> not me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So yeah, I feel you with like, yeah, I wasn't trying to hear none of that shit. At, at none of it. Mm-mm. None of it. Like, look. I'm happy, but I'm still in these spreats. Right. <laughs> I got got some people to see, some things to do. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> Would you raise children in the South? Do you feel like the South is different today than it was then when you were coming up? No, I think the South is still the South. I think we just learn how to put a better mask on it. And then Atlanta being what it is, it, mm-hmm. I think it just kind of makes us forget that the rest of the state is still a very red state. And mm-hmm. how we <laughs> showed up, you know, this the last election just happened to be a fluke. Um, but I, I feel like just where we are, especially like, the the violence the all the, all the stuff that goes on I just don't I don't know if I would want to raise a kid anywhere honestly with just the way the world is right now that part I have one more question okay what do you think we can do as a community to help other people that have those common issues that you've been dealing with with your clients because we know everybody don't go to therapy They're like they can't afford it or they don't believe it or you know for whatever reason so it may be a, a great percentage of people that are in therapy, but there's an even greater percentage of people who is not going. So mm-hmm. even with reaching the people who are going to therapy, how do you think we can still reach and help those who aren't taking that leap? Yeah, I think the the biggest focus for people who aren't going to therapy is really just assessing how are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking breaks when you need to? Are you eating right? Are you exercising? What are you doing to take care of your mental health outside of therapy? Are you meditating? Are you journaling? Are you listening to music that uplifts you? Like, what are the self-care practices that you can put in place to kind of help you? Like, those are the key things that I would go through with someone in therapy. So I think that being able to just kind of assess what you need to do better and what you need to work on and making and taking those steps towards like really finding things to help 
do what you said earlier, preserve your peace, finding mm -hmm. those those moments of relief so that you can really start to recharge and replenish yourself. Mm hmm. Yes, I, I agree. Before we get off of here, I know you mentioned that you have a health journal. Mm -hmm. I just want you to tell me about that and where can we find that? Okay. All right. So I do have the Minding My Own Mental Health uh, journal. It is a comprehensive guide to self-care and you can locate the journal on my website, uniquedestiny.org. And it is like a really comprehensive guide. It has a lot of journal prompts and different things. And um, what I was talking about earlier, kind of evaluating your self-care, seeing where you are and then fine tuning that it just kind of guides people through that process. Nice. I love it. Love it. We all could use that book. Yeah. I don't care how happy you think you are, how happy you may really be, mm. you know, everybody can yeah. use that book. So I want to thank you so much for being a guest. You were wonderful. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And I want you to have a good night. You as well. Take care. And I'll be keeping in touch online. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.